Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. Well, I don't want to wait anymore. We're going to bring Dr. Cindy Trim to the stage. I want you to put your hands together and welcome her online as well. Dr. Cindy Trim. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. At the end of the day, it's our prayer that God will will leave an exceptional exclamation mark that your day will end exceptionally and that exceptional exceptional will describe your day today. And we're happy to do life with you, coming to you live. And it's wonderful. I have my life group with me tonight. They are hungry. We're excited, particularly for what we are going to be talking about. But just before we introduce you to the scripture tonight, we want you to begin to ask, really ask God to enlarge your territory and give you a revelation, something that you can walk away with, a, a principle or a law or a revelation that you can have immediate application and then see the manifestation in your life. But before we give you our revelation and what God has succulently prepared through the Holy Spirit to feed you as a meal, we want to go to God in prayer. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we give you praise and honor and glory from everlasting to everlasting thou art God. Tonight we pray that you would think through my mind, speak through my lips, let there be none of me, all of you. We pray, Father, that the heavens will be open and that there will be a revelation, that your word would be uh, delivered crystal clear. Holy Spirit, we are relying on you. You're the greatest empowerment specialist that there is, that you will anoint us and that you would use us as you would see fit to be a blessing to your people in this series called Spiritual Maturation. At the end of the day, we give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's go directly to the word of God out of the book of 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 to 18. We're talking about the stage of technon, which is the sixth stage of spiritual maturation. There are eight stages of spiritual maturation. And today we want to look at that sixth stage in part two, dealing with spiritual maturation. Out of the book of 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 to 18, if you would go there with me, please. We're going to be reading out of the King James Version of the Bible. The Bible said, and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went to Elisha from Gilgal. 
with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elijah, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elijah said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel, and the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elijah and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from the head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elijah, tarry here, I pray thee. Now, all of this was just testing him, testing him for his loyalty. And this is very important, even as we read through this particular text, because we recognize um, that it's the trying of our faith that, that God is after. He's trying your faith, whether or not you would be steadfast in the process. And scriptures goes on in Second uh, Kings, particularly looking at the Elijah-Elisha mentorship process and looking at their relationship. The Bible says, um, even though uh, the prophet showed up and said, you know, uh, God is going to take from you your mentor, basically. Um, they, it was like jittering. It was not just a prophetic word, but it was like, we're the sons of the prophet and you're just a helps minister. And so, I mean, if you were a real son of the prophet, then, uh, you know, you would be in school with us. And look how God is using us. I mean, we could prophesy your future. You don't even see your future. Are you with me? So it was more like jeering. Look how mature we are. But look at you. You're still washing the hands of the prophet. And you have not even uh, filled out your application to, to attend the school of the prophet as yet. So look at how we're prophesying. You should be like us. But, but God knew that he would be next in line to be promoted and become one of the most powerful prophetic voices that Israel had ever seen. And he had chosen the mentorship program rather than matriculating him through an actual school or the university. Um, I would call it a, a university, but it was Elijah's school of the prophet. And Elijah at that particular time was president and provost. He was both president and provost of this uh, just prestigious university, the best and the brightest. It was like the Oxford University of its time or the Harvard University of its time. If you were at the who's who as a prophet, that's where you went. You went to Elijah's school of the prophet. But Elisha was assigned as his mentor, uh, a.k.a. in the ministry of helps. Amen. <laughs> here, here, here's a caveat that you can walk away with. Uh, God doesn't make leaders. He makes servants who through a process becomes leaders. And so when he looked for a king, he found a little boy by the name of David and raised him up. And when God began to elevate him, he was carrying cheese sandwiches. He wasn't, he wasn't carrying a, a, a sword and a shield. He wasn't trained in the military. Um, I'm, most of you know I'm British American, British American. And so the prince, all of the princes and the prince uh, who is the king apparent, uh, they have to be trained in the military. So uh, Prince Andrew and all of them are military trained. Before they can become a king or be, even be trained in uh, the diplomacy um, and uh, the uh, protocol of kingship, they've got to be trained in the military. 
And so your, your spiritual warfare training is very important if you're going to ascend to the throne. Amen? Amen. So, so here's Elijah and Elisha, and he's being trained, and he's going from place to place, and God is, 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 is using his mentor to test his level of commitment and loyalty and his level of submission. Is he submitted to the process? So the Bible says, here comes the prophets, the sons of the prophets, and prophesies, you know, you're going to be without a covering. God is going to take your master from your head. In other words, when, when, when Elijah is taken from your life, you'll have no covering. You're just going to be out there by yourself, and you're going to be a nobody. This is what they were saying. And he said, I know it. Hold, hold your peace. Verse number four, Elijah said unto Elijah, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. Now, this is important. It is important because it was God that placed him in the mentorship program. So it was inconsequential as to whether the mentor wanted him or not. You've got, you've got a mentor who is choleric. And then you've got a mentor who is sanguine. So you can imagine the clashing of personalities. Here's this hyper person, Elisha, and saying, I want your, I want your mental. And he said, well, if you see me when I go, I'll give you your mental. And he was like, no problem. So you've got this strong, choleric personality in the person of Elijah. Um, he's just shoot from the hips. He, he had no compassion about him. He had no diplomacy about him. He just, uh, he, he didn't finesse his words. You know, he's like, you could go. I'm going on to Jericho. You could go. And, you know, most of us, our feelings would get hurt. You know, he didn't have manners. He didn't talk to me right. And he says, you know, that, that's cool. What he was really saying is, you did not give me this assignment. So your personality, what you say to me, how you treat me is inconsequential to the process that I'm in. See, you've got to understand, God said, I, I, I'm the one that gives you pastors after my heart. He doesn't give you pastors after your heart. He gives you pastors after his heart. Are you with me? So your heart might be tender and what you might really need is a mentor that, that is choleric because you, you could be the type of person that does your, you want to have your own way. You could be passive, aggressive, like in the front of someone's face, you're smiling. Yes, sir. Behind their back. You think I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm a grown woman. I'm a grown man. I pay my bills. Are you with me? And some of you are laughing. Don't laugh too loud because then you're going to expose your guiltiness, right? But that happens. Happens. That happens in the workplace. It happens with your supervisor. It happens with your boss. There's something in us that says we're wired for dominion and we don't like people telling us what to do, especially if you have a demon possessed supervisor. It's even worse. Are you with me? You, you know, you call them a heathen. I don't have to submit. <laughs> but but it's not about that person. Is about what God is doing in your life to refine, to expose, to show you areas that might have been suppressed or stuffed down that you cannot use in a place of authority. And so wherever those tender spots are, he's going to put his thumb on it. And if all that comes out is Jesus, if all that comes out is God, if all that comes out is with the fruit of the spirit, you pass the test. But if something else comes out, <laughs> you got you, you to repeat. 
How many of you are repeating some things and you that I thought I passed it? You know, different people with different names, same spirit, same assignment, right? Like the last person bought that out of me and it's still there. Are you with me? So the scripture says, verse number five, the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elijah and said, knowest thou the Lord will take away the master from your head today? And he answered, yea, I know it, hold your peace. Verse number six, Elijah said unto them, Terry said, said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul live, I will not leave thee. And the two went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood in view afar off, and they stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle, wrapped it together, smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that the two went over on dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, Elijah said unto Elijah, Ask what I shall do for thee before I ta be taken away from thee. And Elijah said, I pray thee, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. Whenever you, you are with a mentor, you've got to know what you want from them. And they have to come into agreement. Now, you don't have a mentor as a family member. Like they're not there to pay your bills and your phone bills and your, you know, no matter how wealthy that person is, they're not there for that. You want something that God has deposited in their spirit. You see, if you can get their wisdom and, and if you can get their insight and if you can get their experience, there are some experiences that you will never have to go through. You see, you learn from experiences, but they don't have to be all yours. You can learn from someone else's experience. And this is the gift of mentorship. It's a gift that you, you, you have. You know, they took a certain path. They've learned certain things. And you can extrapolate principles. And you can extrapolate experience and a wealth of wisdom from them that you can later apply to your own, for your own life. But it has to be an agreement. He asked him for something and Elijah agreed. Anything other than an agreement is manipulation. So you can't manipulate stuff out of people. There has to be agreement. What do you want from me? Let me agree that I can do that for you. Don't, don't come to me with, with desiring something that I can't give you because you haven't opened your mouth to ask. You know, this is not a guessing game here. Um, I can easily say to you, I can't give you that, but I can give you this. So for me, the people that I mentor, I can't give them a lot of time. So time is not what I can give you. So I can't talk to you every day, all day, five times, six times a day because I'm busy. Are you with me? But what I can do is to give you strategy. I can get you from point A to point B very quickly. That's my skill area. I can give you wisdom. I can give you insight. But one of the things I can't give you, I can't give you a lot of time. So you want a time. You, 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 when you call me, you know, everybody always says, you sound like you're busy. I am. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> Say it fast now. <laughs> I am busy. You know, I'm always busy. But if I picked up the telephone to answer, obviously, I want to talk to you. But, but, but don't tell me what you told your mama and your cousin and your Uncle Bubba. And you told everybody. And, and now you're just repeating a story. What can I do for you? Are you with me? So when you have someone that's your mentor, before you engage them in a conversation or engage them in a relationship, you've got to know what you want from that person and they have to come into agreement with it. Are you with me? All right. So we don't have to drag it on. You're grown adults. What do you want? And let me come into agreement. No, I, I don't do guessing games. You know, do you want a cup of water? No. 
Guess again. <laughs> do you want lemonade? No. Guess again. Uh, do you want ice cream? No. We don't have guessing games. What do you want? So I want lemonade. I can't give you lemonade. I only drink water. Is that good enough? It's going to quench your thirst. Is that good enough? It's going to help your kidneys. Is that good enough? It's too much sugar and lemonade. Is that good enough? Are you with me? It'll get rid of those pimples. Is that good enough? <laughs> Are you with me? So knowing, knowing what you need and want from a person that's placed in your life is important. And that person cannot be everything to you. So that's why you have family members. You don't, you don't turn your mentor into an auntie or an uncle. They're not family members. They're mentors. So they have a different assignment. You have aunties and uncles and mommies and daddies, and you have sisters and brothers to do that domestic thing. But beyond the domestic, if it goes into the professional, if it goes into the spiritual, that's a different type of relationship that you're establishing. So you see this was a spiritual relationship. So he didn't ask him for his house. When you die, you don't have no sons, no daughters. Can I get that house over there? And what about that Mercedes band? You don't need that camel. Yeah, you with me? <laughs> Just put me in the wheel. <laughs> you think I've been serving you in all this hot temperature, you know, fanning you and running around to the Brook Cold Chariot to get you water, you know, <laughs> hearing about your stories about a raven that came and bought you meat. You know, I wasn't around you for that. I mean, you know, I looked like I was interested, but my eye was on that house. <laughs> <laughs> it's spiritual it's spiritual what do you want spiritually what does that person have is it an anointing is it wisdom is it instruction you know are they in a position where you are and do they know the way are you, are you with me it, it reminds me of um esther you know, when other, during the beauty contest and they were in this one year um, mentorship program and all the other uh, beauty contestants were running around. Does that yellow look good on me? You know, <laughs> does blue look good on me? And does it match my, you know, my complexion? Do I look, you know, just glittery? So when I go before the king, I stand out. What about my her? Does my her, <laughs> does it look good? Are you with me? But Esther was different. She said, what does the king like? Not what looks good on me. That, that's what you want. God, what do you want? What, what will please you? Here I am. I'm assigned. And I'm in this process. And I want to get through the technon stage. What do you want for me? And what do you want him to give for me? And that's all I'm going to make a demand off of. And he had the revelation that he wanted a double portion of his anointing. And that anointing gave him influence because it was a mental. A mental is, is not just the anointing, but a mental includes the anointing. And it's the influence and authority and dominion that God gives an individual within a sphere of influence. So that's what he wanted. He wanted that mental. He wanted authority in regions and realms and kingdoms. And we're going to show you that that's what he got. Because what we don't see, we don't see how much authority and dominion Elijah has. 
You see it displayed with him, uh, uh, the, the prophetic word, with the national position that he took to deliver an entire nation from a, demo, from a demonic stronghold. You, you see, but he was also emo- emotional. Elijah was emotional. You're talking about drama queens. He was a drama king. <laughs> You know, he gets one attack by, by, by uh, Jezebel. And Jezebel, I mean, you know, had dominion. He had dominion. Jezebel was Satan's girlfriend. Like being married to the mob, right? He knew it. What? If I touch her, you know, all of the cohorts are going to come. And he felt it, you know, and he was drama. He was dramatic. You know, firstly, he had authority, but then he wanted God to feel sorry for him. So he goes in this cave. I can't eat anymore. I've lost my appetite. <laughs> And God just sends down angels. I mean, you know, angel food, that's not good enough. I've lost my appetite. I don't want to live. God said, you're going to get yourself up out of here because you're messing with my program. God will take care of your mentor. It is not up to you to judge them or to look at their character or to look at their personality. God will take care of them. Yours is to position yourself to get what God has deposited in them, and that's it. So Elijah didn't care whether he was a drama king, didn't care, you know, (laughs) whether he was choleric, whether, you know, he just shot from, he never said thank you, you know, nothing kind, you know, get, just get from me. I can imagine because if you're choleric and you got this sanguine person and you say, if if, if you see me and when I go, the sanguine person is going to take it literal. So while Elijah is sleeping, he's just breathing right over him, <laughs> running his hand in front of his nose, make sure he's alive. Like, and he opens his up. What now? I, I was just checking, <laughs> just making sure. You know, and back in the day, you know, if you had to relieve yourself, you go behind a tree, a bush, and here's these whistling. <laughs> What do you want, Elijah? I need privacy. Nothing, boss. I'm just, just, just making sure you're good. You're good? Because he wanted that, uh, you know. So when he was sleeping, Elijah had to be awake. Are you there yet? <laughs> no. Did you, do you hear the chariots yet? No. Is there something you're picking up in the realm of the spirit? No. You got two different personalities. Some of you are really nice people. The person that you submit to may not be as nice. They just, they just might be goal-oriented. When you have goal-oriented, Elijah was a goal-oriented person. When you have goal-oriented people, sometimes they forget to say thank you. God just wants to test you to say, you know, are you going to wear your feelings on your sleeve? This is the workplace. And you're crying, my boss never says thank you. Does he pay you on Fridays? (laughs) Do you get paid at the end of the month? That's his thank you. Amen. Are you with me? Don't, Don't take something that belongs in the domestic realm. Do not bring it to the professional. It's always bottom line. Same thing in ministry. Ministry is bottom line. The bottom line is souls. And so if you're being mentored... It's always bottom line. It's always bottom line. You have friends and family and people that like you to really nurture and nourish your greatness and tell you how much they like you and you look good in the dress and, you know, you look good in your makeup. But not the person that, that, that mentors you. They're interested in building capacity for where you're going. 
You know, you look good. If they tell you you look good three years ago, that should last you for the next five years. <laughs> you just replay it. You know, when, when they say you look good, you just take out your smartphone and say, could you say that one more time? <laughs> so when you're down, you push the button. You look good. <laughs> Verse number 11, it came to pass that they still went on and talked. And behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, horses of fire, parted them both asunder. Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. He's a drama king. He just can't die. (laughs) It's like, God, I'm ready. You know, lights, action. You know, the clouds roll back. The angels are flapping their wings. Are you with me? Chariots of fire come swoop. You got the sound. The fire's gone all around. He's being lifted up. And then the mantle drops. Mic drop. You know, but it's a mantle. Bam. I'm a, he, he just can't die. I mean, you can't just bury him. You know, he just can't say, oh, you know, this is the big one. It ain't no big one. He's like, God, I'm not going until I have the drama. You know me, the drama king. Something interesting happens. Verse number 12, he saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel, my father, my mentor. You're the one that, that is perpetuating legacy and you're perpetuating it through me. Now, this is extremely important because if God is moving and he has an unfolding, a plan that is unfolding, submission has, has two expression. Number one, the person that is being submitted to. Failure to fulfill his assignment as a mentor means that he has no succession. Now, the one that is submitting is vitally important for them to submit. Why? Failure to embrace that process means that he has no future success. So you're looking at succession, which has to do with legacy. And then you have success, which has to do with inheritance. Inheritance is the what you get. Succession is the who you leave. So you've got both the what and the who. So an inheritance is what? Legacy is who? And so with any movement, it's all about the people. Because you cannot perpetuate a what if you have not developed the who. And so if I have a work, it's imperative that I identify who are the ones that are submitting to me. Secondly, they must be able to identify themselves as being individuals that are submitting. There's a relationship. Are you submitting? And then if you are submitting, this is my responsibility to you. I'm not responsible for paying your bills. That's your responsibility. I'm responsible for building character and also building capacity. You have the potential, but potential will stay potential without experience. And so what God would do is set you up. So he sees the mental, the mental falls, And then he stood by the river of Jordan. He has the sons of the prophets that are gathering. They're seeing now the promotion. And he's being promoted from Technon. The mental falls and he's sun place. So you go from Technon to Weas. And then from Weas to Weas thesis means your sun place. And then your mater pater. That's the process. And you see this here. 
because you see him as a technon. Then you see the testing and the trial, which is we us. So when he cries out, my father, my father, he is now we us. That we us, and we'll get to that, which is the next stage. We're going to get to that in a minute. Stage number seven. Seven is a number perfection. Brings you to stage number eight. Eight is a new beginning, meaning that you start the process all over again. You are legal in the realm of the spirit. You can now produce children that are birthed out of your spiritual womb. And you will be a responsible and you will be a parent, a spiritual leader that is trained, that has character, that God can use. And you could perpetuate a legacy that started out with Jesus Christ. And it will be passed on from one generation to the other until Christ, until the rapture comes, until we be no more children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. We come into the fullness of Jesus Christ, full maturity. And this is for the entire body, not just one of us, but all of us. And this is where spiritual maturation is going. The Bible said, verse number 14, the mantle drops. He takes the mantle, not just the anointing, the mantle, the mantle gives you legal authority and dominion within kingdoms, not just institutions and realms and disciplines and professions, but within kingdoms. The Bible said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Scripture says the earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof and the world and they that dwell therein. So we know the world and the earth are two different things. The earth is a terra firma. It's what we stand on. But slightly lifted or raised above the earth is what you call the world. The world is spiritual. And so God wants you to go into all the spirit realm. The earth is the the continents, the nations. But he said go into all the world. That means you could touch the world without leaving the United States of America. Because we're talking about spiritual, go into all the world. Now how does this break down? We live in a natural world and a spiritual world. Are you with me? The world is broken down into kingdoms. There are 12 kingdoms. Kingdoms are broken down into systems. The systems, this is the machinery. This is how how kingdoms operate. The systems. Systems are controlled by institutions. There are five institutions. You've got government. You've got marriage, family, education, and the church, five institutions, pillars of society. Four of the five are broken. If the fifth one is broken, the world as we know it collapses. But the world cannot collapse, and it will not collapse. Why wouldn't it collapse? Is because the church cannot be destroyed. Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is the, is the institution that keeps a nation from fraying, from collapsing. And until we understand the role that we are playing in the nation, when Jesus came, he came for political reasons. He did not come for religious reasons. He, the Bible said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. God is not going to give you to the world to change the world until you become a mature son. Are you with me? A son is given and the government shall be upon his what? Shoulders. So that means if Christ is the head of the church and the church is his body, the shoulder is a part of the church. And if the government is on the shoulders, that means officially the church is the government of the kingdom of heaven. Are you with me? He wasn't, he wasn't found guilty because he healed the sick and raised the dead and walked on water. He wasn't found guilty of that. 
He was found guilty of high treason, a crime against government, his government. And they found him for high treason. In other words, they were afraid that he was coming to take over. And if you, if you, if you look at the structure of the um, uh, uh, gospel, it's structured in such a way that when they, when they have him on trial, they ask, who sent you? You know, are you, are you the king of the Jews? They, they weren't, look, when he rode on the donkey, do you not know what that meant? When you ride on a stallion into a city back in those days, it was a declaration of war. When you ride on a donkey, you were coming in peace. It means that you were coming to for geopolitical negotiations. The donkey did not represent his poverty. He was the prince of peace. Peace is reconciliation. He was saying to the whole world that I'm coming to reconcile the world back to my father. They wanted to know, look, are you coming as a king or are you coming as an ambassador? Because if they touch an ambassador, it would start a war. If you kill the king, you just take over his domain. Are you the king of the Jew? Then we don't have to worry about it. Or are you an ambassador? Who sent you? We can't touch an ambassador because we don't know what your power is. So he said, if I wanted to, I could call 12 legions. You know what a legion is? 5,000? And one angel, he said, I could 12 legions of angels. One angel has the power to destroy 157. Do the math. 157,000. So do the math. 157,000 times 5,000 times 12. In other words, he said, if I wanted to, I could destroy everybody that is on the earth with the military power that I got. But I'm coming in what? Peace. That's, that, 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 that's power that's been disciplined and channeled. Are you with me? He's ch- why? Because he wants the world. You got to know when to fight and when not to fight. You got to know when to hold your peace. Go ahead and crucify me. It's a part of God's plan. Are you with me? Because in three days, I'm going to be king of kings because I'm rising to a place of dominion. You don't want to abort your rise to, the dom- to a place of dominion. Influence and authority, dominion, influence and authority, influence and authority. So you have the authority. Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Do you have the influence? Can God use you to influence industries? Are you with me? So, so after you deal with the institution, institutions are broken down in fields and disciplines and professions, which is broken down into communities made up of families, which is made up of individuals. So when you go through this process, he's going to start somewhere. So we want to see where this process starts. If you're going to be literally uh, mentored or a son of the prophet, and I'm using that as a metaphor, if you're going to be uh, 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 mentored through this stage, in order for you to be spiritually mature, we want to walk through this process. So one of the things that Peter said we're in, this is uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 67. He said, we're in, you greatly rejoice, though now for a season. A season changes every uh, three months, isn't it? And with seasonal shifts, so are clothing. So is activities. What you do in the winter is different from what you do in the spring, different from what you do in the summer. You know, you've got to determine what season you are in. 
And the season is going to dictate your activities. What season are you in personally? What season are you in professionally? What season are you in spiritually? Remember, one of the first things that we learn is that you grow in stages, but you live in dimensions. And there are 12 dimensions. You remember us talking about that? And you live in these 12 dimensions and God wants to mature you in all of these dimensions. And he doesn't want any area immature. You know, he doesn't want you incubated uh, um, or spiritually mature where you're chasing around demons and then you're incubated emotionally. Mm -hmm. Like you're an emotional basket case. You know, people could take you in bucketfuls spiritually, but they can only take you in teaspoons emotionally. They always have a butt. She could pray, but, <laughs> you know, she's a good employee, but so you want to remove the butts. Are you with me? By allowing God to mature you in every dimension of, of your living, every dimension that you live in. And so if, if he takes you through spiritual maturation, spiritually, and then financially, and then emotionally, you still, that's three areas you still have another nine that you've got to deal with. So that means we're going to be in the process for a little while, right? Yes. Can I get a show you right? I can't get an amen from the church today. Amen. <laughs> but we're, we're for, this is Peter, we're for, uh, you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, it's only a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearance of Jesus Christ. Praise and honor and glory, right? So the scripture says that God is going to give you a garment of praise. So this is not you standing in church with the hem and B3 in high C and you dancing. He's not talking about that praise. But that word comes from a Hebrew word, which means to admire, esteem, celebrate, and honor. So God wants you to have honor in this world. He wants you to be esteemed. He doesn't want you to be overlooked. He wants people to look up to you, but not overlook you. And this process is going to put you in that position where you're going to be esteemed and respected. Even if people don't agree with you, they, they, could, they could be... Um, atheists or Muslims, they could be of different faith, different persuasions. They may not be believers, but they will hold you in high esteem because this is what brings glory to God. They, they will tell you, I had some Muslims, Muslim men that attended my, my, my services. I was dealing with, with economics. So I did an economic workshop and I was teaching on um, economics and how the world works, the true wealth of nations. I did an entire teaching on that. So afterwards, you know, he stands up and he says, I'm a Muslim. I don't believe in women leadership, but I believe in that lady right there. I'll never become a Christian, but I'll follow her around the world. Now, that's a Muslim man. Now, now you have to know, you have to understand this. He's from the Middle East where you better have on your hijab. Are you with me? I didn't have on a hijab. And he sat there and he listened. And he thanked me. He said, I'll never be a Christian, but I follow you around the world. You see, when people don't agree with your faith, but yet they respect you, that's what you want. Because the gospel is preached to all humanity. It's, it's, it's our commodity. And even if people don't correct, um, convert, listen to me carefully. 
our Christian beliefs have the power to change a country and humanity. It's not just for the church. Because if we could bring our principles, listen, uh, Mohandas Gandhi, he used one teaching of Christ, turn the other cheek. And, and, and he was used as an instrument to deliver his entire country, India, from the harsh control and oppression of British rule. Read history. And he took one of Christ's teachings to bring his people from out of oppression. Can you imagine if we could teach the world all the principles? What our societies will be like, what our communities would be like, what our businesses would be like if we can just take the principles. So even if they don't want to be saved, can you at least take the principle? Because it will revolutionize our homes, our families. Can't we teach? This is what God has given us. If they don't want to come to church, the church should go to them. Are you with me? So God will begin to use you and he will put pressure on you in your family like Joseph. From the family, then the community like Job, the pit represent the community. Then Potiphar's house, that's the workplace. Then the prison, that's an institution. And then God raises him up. From one realm to another until he's controlling a kingdom and then he changes the world. So your testing is not just a ch- test in church. It's not just what demons and deacons do to you. Come on. <laughs> it's what's going on in your family and your community and in your industry and in your profession. And how God is going to use every part, every facet of your experience to bring the best out of you. So that he can promote you into a position where you are an agent of change in this world. And boy, do we need change agents. Amen. We need leaders. And what better place to look for leadership than the church? Because they get a package deal. Now, there were four stages that Elijah went through. And here they are. And these are the four steps or four stages of spiritual maturation. Number one, they stopped in Gilgal. The word Gilgal comes from a word which means rolling away, the rolling away. It's a place of personal challenge. It's a place of circumcision. It was at Gilgal that the despotic or the um, displaced nation, the Hebrew nation, going through the wilderness, God stopped them at, at Gilgal and they camped at Gilgal. And all of the males that were over a specific uh, day, eight years old and above, they had to um, uh, circumcise them. They circumcised them. Uh, skin that is not needed. They, they, cut, they, cut, they cut the skin off. So things that are not needed at Gilgal, God, God trims it off of your life and out of your spirit. And sometimes it could be um, the memories of things that happened to you when you were young and uh, unforgiveness and rejection. These are things that you carry and um, God wants to cut those things away. This is also a place where the men are ceased. So it's not only the cutting away of old habits, 
but is God delivering you from old paradigms and old points of references? So it requires the rolling back and the cutting away of of these superfluous. It's a process. It's the pruning process. Um, John 15 talks about a pruning process that prepares us um, for a season of fruitfulness. So the pruning away is so that you could be fruitful in your next season. The next one, and you can read about that story in Joshua chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. The next stage or, of, of, of this uh, spiritual maturation, particularly as it relates to mentorship, is Bethel. They stopped at Bethel. Now, Bethel is a place of spiritual challenge. So uh, Gilgal is a place of personal challenge. This is where God is going to shine a spotlight on your personal life and deal with you. Deal with you as a mother. Deal with you as a father. Uh, Deal with you and how you relate with your sisters and brothers and people that are familiar with you. People that grew up with you. Um, do you act one way with them and, and another way in the church or can, are you really saved? Are you saved in your home? You know, are you, are, are you saved with your husband, with your wife, um, with your cousins when, when you go to family gatherings and, um, how do you act around family gatherings? Do they like you when, when you show up or they say, Oh, here come auntie Martha. <laughs> And she's got the big Bible, you know, piece of Samson-like luggage. Oh, oh, oh. Or, or do they run to you? Do, do they seek you out? And, and, and he's going to really address that. What, what happened with sibling rivalry? Were you the black sheep of the family? Or were you the favorite? Or what, what were the dynamics like in your home? The second is Bethel. So you go from your domestic home to the house of God. This is your place of testing and trial. And you're going to be tested in the house of God. This is where you have your spiritual challenges. This is where maybe you're more talented and gifted than Miss Martha. And you're singing a gospel song, but Miss Martha sings opera. <laughs> and everybody in the church says, you sing much better than Miss Martha. And, and, and they convince you, you should have had that solo. And then the devil gets in and says, well, you should leave because they don't appreciate you. Now, now, God might allow Miss Martha that sings opera, and you know the song, I don't know, uh, a great uh, gospel song, give me a great gospel song um, that you sing, that, that not a, I mean gospel, like, yeah, a gospel song. Uh, no, not Amazing Grace, gospel. Okay, so, okay, so here it is. Every praise is to our God, every song of worship on one accord, every praise, and everybody's clapping, every praise is to our God. Da, da, da. Every praise is to our God. Glory, hallelujah, to our God. And you know, if you sang that song, you'll be like, every praise is to our God. Glory, hallelujah, is to our God. Sing it with me. And the people are up and clapping. Every praise is to our God. But they put Miss Martha there. (laughs) Every praise. It's to our God, glory, hallelujah, in one accord, every praise, every praise is to our God. 
And the church is like, Martha, Martha. And they convince you. And the spirit, the, 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 the devil wants to move you out of place. Because God is testing you. And it's happening in the church. Someone doesn't speak to you. Somebody doesn't recognize you. But God placed you there. You know? And you move out of place. You're boarding the mentorship program. The next one is Jericho. So you go from being tested in your home, tested in your place of worship. The next one is Jericho. Jericho is a place of social challenge. This is a place where strongholds have to be confronted, challenged, and conquered. Now, strongholds are not something out here. They're in here. These are strongholds of your mind. And God goes down. A stronghold is like um, a rock formation, and a rock has stratifications. So when it, you have a rock formation, you got stratifications. So a stronghold, you get delivered, and then the Holy Spirit shines a spotlight in the same area, and you see another stronghold. What? I thought I got delivered, but it's stratified. So you blast that area, and you come and you say, thank you, God, for delivering me from the stronghold. And then another person shows up, or another situation shows up, and you're like, I thought I got delivered. You did, but then he's blasting another what? Another stratification. And he's going to get all the way down until there's nothing, no rock formation, until you're able to say, the evil one cometh, but he has no place in me. These are strongholds, and they're your strongholds. The scripture says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, thou art with me. Now, if you're standing before God, and God is light, nothing separates you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So that shadow is not coming from Satan. Because he cannot stand between you and God. So when do you have a shadow? When there's a blocking agent standing before a stream of light. So if you're standing before a stream of light who happens to be God, God is light. Guess where the shadow is coming from? It's coming from you. That's your shadow. So most of the time, it ain't demons, you're shadow boxing. So God wants to deal with those areas of shadow, those dark areas of your life. And he's not, he's not going to just throw it up and say, I'm going to deal with all of it. It's going to be little by little by little. And you're going to trust the process. This is Jericho. Jericho is a place of social challenges. This is now God is elevating you and you're in the workplace and you're in, you have friends that are not believers. You got delivered from alcohol and drugs and everything else. And then God will test you in an environment to see what you're going to do when everybody else is doing it. When others are playing, are you going to be praying? When others are feasting, are you going to be fasting? What are you going to do socially? When others are not men and women of faith, but you are, and you're the only one in the workplace, are you going to be around the water cooler laughing at their dirty jokes? Are you going to be undermining your employer? What are you going to be doing? What are you going to be doing in the workplace? What are you going to be doing socially? Can I trust you there? And then there's Jordan. 
That was the next place. Jordan is a place of miracles, is a place of sonship, is a place where you gain spiritual authority, is a place of spiritual maturation, and it's a place where the submissively obedient will be tested for the last time during his season of service before he's promoted. Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan. He came up, and it was God that said, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. Here is Elijah walking with Elijah, his mentoree, and he tests him. He tests him at Bethel. He tests him at Jericho. He says, go. He tests him at Jordan. And it was at Jordan that they cross over. Here comes the chariots of fire. The mantle falls and something amazing happens. After the mantle falls, he divides the water. He uses the same mantle. He divides the water. And here was his colleagues in awe, awestruck. And God took him from a place of service and automatically promoted him. And he now becomes the president and provost over this university without his 21 years of going through an educational institution because it will take 21 years being a son of the prophet before you matriculated and was recognized. But here was Elijah in a mentorship program and God shortened the process and quantum leaped him into a place of prominence because firstly, he was submitted to God. And in submission to God, it didn't matter what Elijah did, he was not going to leave his place within the mentorship program. And so, technon. It's a lot of trials, a lot of testing. God goes for broke. He opens you up. He exposes you. He places you in discipline. When we deal with discipline, we're dealing with the difference between you training yourself for the Olympics and you getting a coach that trains you for the Olympics. Because mentorship is about a man or woman with experience who has been where you're trying to go and you submit yourself to a discipline process that pulls the potential out of you and builds capacity for future success, progress, prominence, influence, and affluence, AKA a place of dominion where your authority is recognized and your influence makes an impact God begins to posture you not only for succession but for success. Technon. Our Father and our God will give you praise and honor and glory. We thank you from everlasting to everlasting that thou art God. You said that we should grow in grace and in the power of your might. And the growing is a process. Growth is a process. It doesn't happen just overnight. There are seasons that we have to go through and we have to understand the different aspects of our lives that you are addressing. We want to be matured. We want to be used. We want to be used powerfully. And in the days to come, Father, when the world is looking for leadership, we are saying, like Isaiah said, here am I, use me. And so we give you permission and we give you a a, a real yes, an authentic yes. Father, give us integrity Give us credibility. Let us not resist this process. Yes, it comes with much discipline, with much adjustment, 
with much discomfort. But it doesn't come with physical pain. It comes with an emotional adjustment that has to be made in order for us to be used mightily by you. We are the sons and the whole world is uh, anticipating, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. But we are saying, now are we the sons of God. We thank you for each individual. We thank you, Father, that they will not abort the process because the world awaits the manifestation of the true sons of God. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.